What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Counting down the minutes to the NFL draft, and we've already had a trade, John. We've already had a trade, which we'll talk about, and we already made a video about it. Nonstop, guy. You just you never know as uh, as as members of the working media, we're always ready for some news to break and be ready to go live. That's right. So we we have a YouTube channel. It's it's uh, it used to be called the Promo Code Ham YouTube channel. We just typed, we changed it to the Haberman and Middlecoff <clears throat> YouTube channel, but whatever. If you're already subscribed, you don't have to change anything. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. We appreciate that. We've got videos about the Niners draft needs, John, the Raiders draft needs, uh, a bunch of stuff. Got a bunch of, of stuff. Videos. We're also, Guy, Thursday night for the NFL draft. Going to go live, Periscope. Thursday. NFL draft, got it. Yeah. Uh, it's that's through Twitter, so you can find us on our Twitter accounts. We'll be retweeting, tweeting out the links. We'll just be live, kind of like the YouTube level videos, but we're going to be live the entire time on Twitter. So we got, you know, these in 2020, you got a shitload of platforms. You got to try to keep up with them all. That's where I, I guess the kids all play: YouTube's, the Periscopes, the TikToks, the Schmickmocks. You know, I, I I do see as you get older, you get like Belichick snap. There's a lot going on. And uh, luckily for us, it's part of our survival, so we need to be on them all. We'll be there the entire draft. Uh, You know, luckily all the general managers are going to be online too, so we'll just be just in a different platform. That's right. Entire draft live on on Thursday night, and then Friday morning on YouTube, we'll have videos about the Niners and Raiders draft picks and whatever. I mean, maybe other draft doesn't have to necessarily just be theirs. Whatever. Whatever. We got yeah. We got a lot of content on the horizon. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so anyway, we appreciate you being here with us. This is the week we've all been waiting for. Yeah, God, so we're going to make the most you, of it. Um, 
Gronk just got traded. We'll talk about that before we do take a moment to uh, give a little local love to some local companies that we've been uh, mentioning to you for the last couple of weeks because, uh, you know, they've been longtime friends of uh, friends, just friends. Yeah, I've gone to Kinder's the last two days. Last Have night, really? I finally tried the ribeye sandwich and I got the jog sauce. That's jalapenos, onions, and garlic. Oh, and you put it on top of the ribeye sandwich. It comes on this like big baguette. Yeah. It's really good. And then I also I got a little half pint of uh, some potato salad. Then today, try to be a little yeah. healthier. Uh, I, I got a grilled chicken sandwich, but they're they're both so good. Again, been in, been in business around this area since 1946. Not, wow. Grandpa Kinders, 1946. They're all around the Bay Area. If you're hungry, Google if there's a Kinders in your area. Go support local. Go support local. God, that's uh, that's fantastic. And then also my friends at Evergood Sausage. I love good sausage. I love their pineapple sausage. You can find them in Costco. You can find them in Safeway. You can find them wherever you're going shopping. Uh, they've been a business guy for 90 years. I don't have a calculator on me, but that's got to be like the 20s or the 30s. It's a long time. And they, they've been cranking out sausages, still cranking them out. Support local, Costco, Safeway, you name it, they're around. Wow. Shoeless Joe Jackson could have eaten Evergood sausages in his uh, banishment from I, baseball. I bet Willie Mays, when he first got here, was slamming them down. Yeah, well, Willie Mays got here. There was a 25, 25? 25, his rookie year was 51. Took him a while to get here, though, but still, True. 30-year-old company yeah. by the time he got here. Exactly. All right. All right, John. Uh, so, oh, by the way, and we've mentioned this, but this this podcast that you're listening to is also available to watch Yeah. on um on YouTube. So, all right, a lot of stuff we're going to rattle through as we lead up to the draft. We did a video about Gronk, which you can watch as well, specifically about Gronk and the NFC, but let's also talk about him for this podcast. It won't be the same stuff. Um, I, I do think, John, first and foremost, it's hard. I do. I wonder if the way the Gronk news, quote unquote, snuck up, even though we've been talking about Gronk for a year now, coming back more, if, if, if there's if that's any kind of hint as to maybe the maybe Thursday night we have stuff sneak up on us in the way that that Gronk not just come out of nowhere just Gronk goes from he might be back to he's traded he needs a physical he passed it I it makes me wonder if we'll have stuff the stuff that happens Thursday if it'll happen like this fast I think for sure like oh damn the Patriots got clowny and they just traded for Trent Williams <laughs> you know just I you just can have some curveballs because. Mike Lombardi tweeted like seven Niners. We'll talk about a little later on the trade block. But I think a lot of players throughout the league are just going to be available for some movement. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what team Jamal Adams on? You know, you're just going to see some crazy shit happening just because everyone's quarantining. And every day you read a story about a GM doing work and his wife like vacuuming, untaking the, uh, the power outlet. Or there was one the other day. A dude was uh, on like a Zoom with a player and his kid upstairs unplugged the big power outlet. And a lot of kids, you know, you got three or four kids using a bunch of bandwidth. And uh, I think it's going to be really, really fun these next. It's probably a lot going to happen on Thursday because usually when you make a trade for a veteran player, it's based on a player you didn't get in a draft, right? You usually don't draft a left tackle, then trade for a left tackle. But boom, you miss on a left tackle. Or how about this? You're the Jets. All of a sudden, you're like, fuck it. Let's trade for Trent Williams. Do you take a left tackle at 11, or do you maybe then take Jerry Judy? So I, I think there are a lot of moving parts. That's what makes the draft so fun. I also think that the general managers in the NFL, right, are just 
there's a large percentage of them that feel in that 40 to young, early 50-year-old range that are just kind of willing to throw some, just take some fucking swings. But, yeah. but not like like Mike Ditka trade two drafts for Ricky Williams swings. Like, you know, I'm going to make a bold move for a Pro Bowl player. Stuff that just like, yeah, I get that. You trade pick 24 for, Trent, you know, this Pro Bowler. I trade, you know, a first rounder and a next year second rounder for Jamal Adams. Like, oh, just... Trades that make sense for both sides. I think that happens a lot more now without Bill O'Brien. As you might imagine, when they had the conference call to discuss how they're going to do the draft, one of the things Roger Goodell suggested was not allowing any trades. Yeah. And all the GMs hated that idea. And it was just, they were just having an open forum. Um, But I would imagine in any era, all the GMs would have hated that idea. You you agree that would have been a bad... I get why he'd bring that up. You just you'd bring up everything. That would have been a dumb thing to do or mandate. Like if you can't do trades, you might as well just push the draft back, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to be able can't, to do trades. You got to be able to do trades. Yeah. You got to be able to. It's, but I'm just saying, and any GM in any draft ever that's allowed trades would have hated that. But this group of GMs would hate it more than ever. The other thing with the younger guys is they all have younger kids. I got to imagine, even if you are a GM, if you're a GM, you live in a big house. But still, like if you're if it's ten o'clock at night and you're yelling into the phone, I gotta think there's gonna be some stories like on Friday of like, yeah, my kids are all pretty tired today. I, I kept them up because we were you know we were drafting twenty four, uh, and uh, you know I was just making a lot of noise downstairs. There's gonna be a lot of that. I, I, I think it's gonna be really edgy. Like there are gonna be some stories the first and second day of kids getting screamed at, kids getting kicked at. Like Peter King when he writes a Sunday column of like a 10-year-old that wanted like his dad to draft a guy, come storm in the room, they get in a screaming match. I think by Saturday, you know, the day when it's just, you don't hear any of the players getting announced, it's just a ticker, and it's just Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Joe Douglas, just every decision maker's on an interview. There, a lot of the GMs and coaches are going to be holding their kids, I feel like. Yeah. Those with younger kids. Now, you might get yeah. the older guys won't have kids, but any GM, any younger GM with a kid like under 10, He'll be sitting on his lap, I feel like, when he's on an ESPN interview. Don't you agree? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Or I think we might see something funny, like a dude interviewing, and all of a sudden the kid shoots his dad with like a Nerf gun in the head. <laughs> You're right. There, there's Kids are unpredictable, right? The kids are very, very unpredictable. All with the spirit of Gronk, too, which is what makes it fun. I, I am just happy. The second Gronk gets traded, there's just a lot of – we made it a video immediately. There's a lot of analysis of whether it's good or not. And then, you know, the Patriots got a fourth round pick out of it and all this stuff. But Gronk's ba- just, j- to me, there's just a simple, we've been talking about this for a year and a half and it happened and it happened in Tampa Bay. I, I You know, what's crazy guy is that we say it all the time. Like you never say never in sports, you know, Willie Mays was a Met Montana was a was a chief and in basketball it's become a little you become numb to dudes moving around a little bit but still there are some like if if i told you steph curry's gonna finish his career on like the wizards or like the timberwolves you you couldn't just say no chance right there is this an element in pro sports that we have moments of if i had told you a couple years ago that brady hell let's say three years ago that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be led by Bruce Arians with Brady as his quarterback and Gronkowski as his tight end. Like, the combination of that all would have been unbelievable, right? Yeah, you could have been like, yeah, Brady probably finished his career somewhere else, or Gronk could. But if I said Arians and then the three, two of them, that would have been I mean, pretty nuts. 
I had a hard time picturing Brady on the Bucks two months ago, right? Let alone three years ago, if you had drawn that scenario up. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, is, is, I think the thing. Let's start with the. Is Brady on the Bucks if Arians isn't there, and they just have like some kind of guy that's just viewed as a meh guy, like a Raheem no. Morris or whatever? I think Arians is a huge curveball, and then the moment Brady went there, I would imagine Gronk was always coming with them. I, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Did Gronk immediately decide if Brady goes there, I'm coming back? If you're a Patriot fan right now, do you feel a little weird? You're like, I get it, but it's like, God, that kind of sucks. If, <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be harder if like Gronk hated Belichick been, and wanted out or something. But also, yeah, but also like if Gronk had been really good last year or even the year before. If he had been um, like, if he had been George Kittle last year, and was like, I want out. You'd yeah, like, no. that would be well, Brett, very unsettling. Would, well, Bill wouldn't have let him out, right? <laughs> I mean, well, the problem is like the the Pats only had like two million dollars of cap space. But yeah, you make a if he's Kittle, you find a way to keep him around. Yeah. yeah, but but also I think I think one of the reasons people love this story and will love this story is because Gronk is only coming back to play with Tom. Like it's just a basic. I like this guy, and I want to play with this guy. And Gronk was going to let nine million dollars just rot if it wasn't for Tom. He was just not going to play if it wasn't for Tom going to Tampa. Like Tom being in Tampa Bay wasn't going to be Gronk. But he back, ain't. But he right? ain't coming back for the money, right? No, but that's what I'm saying. Is I think one of the things that makes the story great is Gronk was just going to let nine million dollars with his name on it expire without ever getting it. What? If Tom had stayed in Tam- if Tom had stayed in New England or or whatever. Well, the, to but, me. But for Tom, he wants to come back and play. Well, there, to me, there's an element of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to me, are on like the bottom five list of just irrelevant teams. I mean, talking irrelevant. The, Franchises. The, the franchise in, in sports. Like, are they that far away from like the Tampa Bay Rays? Like, at least you'd say the Tampa Bay Rays are always good. I know no one yeah, I'd watches. I'd say the Rays them. are more relevant in their sport than the Bucs have been. Fuck yeah. Boston. I mean, they make the playoffs every the year in the, AF, in the NL East, or AL East. Like, I would imagine if you ask most like Yankee fans and Red Sox fans, like, what do you think about the Rays? Like, goddamn, they're pretty good. Like, you, you ask Saints fans and Panthers fans, what do you think about the Bucs? You're like, they suck. Like, this, this has been a three-team division. Where would... There's an L. I mean, Tom's the greatest of all time. He's one of the most famous American athletes ever. I mean, he he's like the Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, right? Nameth of his generation. Where would you say Gronk lands non-quarterback for NFL players these last couple of days? He's right up there, right? Of just you just say his name, the fame with kids, yeah. older people, just his and his talent. Like he's a lock hall of famer. Like he's just well, he's. Yeah, he's got it all, right? He's a four-time All-Pro. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Big plays in big moments. He is quarterback-like to your point because he he's got he like win, all these big he won plays. Three, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. Because they've won three this decade. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Well, do you know what's crazy? Um, is like Welker and Mankins, no Super Bowls. Like there's two, there's like the middle group. They didn't win shit with. And then, like, this new group really won three in the, what, last The worst part for those years? guys is like, oh, welcome, Wes, good to meet you, man. You play for the Pats, right? Where do you keep your Super Bowl <laughs> ring? Yeah. Like, well, actually. You're like, oh, Lo- Logan, you got your name retired and fucking Pats ring honor? Like, how many did you win? Two? You win three? Yeah, just I was in this weird fucking period. I didn't win any. That's a good point. Um, Jamie Collins is like, oh, bitches. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, Matthew Slater. Uh 
but with Gronk, and then you add to it Gronk's just his physical size, the fact that he is like, did you see? You know, ABC and ESPN are both airing the draft. Yeah, but they're different broadcasts. I didn't know that. So the ABC broadcast is more focused on like the players' stories, right? It's kind of more like a um, college game day. Whose idea? Last whose year, idea, that whose dra- idea is that? Well, they did it last year. Last year, that broadcast was almost fifty percent women. So oh. it's like their ABC, like it's like they're more mainstream kind of draft show kind of like good family story like a reality television show almost yeah or like a good morning america type yeah, yeah this, this just, kid like josh jacobs was homeless stuff like that that just all that yeah just just more feature style do you know what's funny is I, I saw a tweet but, but about 50 women like, i didn't Gronk know what would that fit meant. in i'm sorry what i saw a tweet about their women a lot of women on a broadcast i didn't quite follow it but that makes sense now okay yeah so but gronk is in that category of just you could put him on your storytelling broadcast and just casual fans would go, Oh, okay. Or you could put them on your hardcore broadcast and the greatest tight ends in NFL history would be like, this guy's one of us. Yeah. Right. He's just, and he's just a party. I mean, it's just his whole persona. It's just too perfect. So they do look pretty good getting out the bus. I mean, Brady's six, five, six, six. Yeah. They're Gronk's offense, huge. Right? Mike Evans is massive. Godwin ain't small. I mean, they're, they got great. They're O line. They, 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 they're big. I mean, Rojo's not a midget, right? I mean, it's, they got some dudes now. Yeah, they're a... It's a for, for Tampa Bay, it's a star-studded team. We'll see how their draft... Are they better than Arians' Arizona team? Now, Palmer almost won the MVP. They had a really good defense. Good defense I mean, they yeah. had Calais, Honey Badger, Patrick Peterson. It's kind of a different team. But yeah, you could say star-studded on one side. It's a little more star-studded. Um, you mentioned Mike Lombardi. He tweeted or said this week that the Niners are shopping players. And Marquis Goodwin, okay, but that doesn't shock anybody. But Kwaski Tart, Quan Alexander, D Ford, all available, however you want to whatever you want to call them. I I guess nobody really should be untouchable on that team, with the exception of a couple of players, right? And the obvious players, three, but four. But I was still, when I read that, I was like, Rob, oh, that's Robbie Gold. Kind of surprising. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I was kind of surprised when I read that, even though you could probably pretty easily make it. I mean, you can make it make sense pretty quickly, just based in part on two of them, the money they're making. Were, were you on Twitter at all on... A day ago, it would have been, I guess, Monday afternoon when I think that story came out. There was a lot of, like, clowny Niner buzz. One thing I think with the Niners, and remember last year they were they almost signed Le'Veon Bell. I think they get in these situations, and Parag is the value master where he goes, Hey, John, we can just get clowny one year, $15 million right now. And he's like, well, fuck, who do we got to get rid of to sign him? He's like, well, could we, tra- could we just eat it on Quan and get, you know, just give D away for a fourth-round pick? That to me, those two guys, if the clowny thing, they'll they'll just like let's just take him for a year. They wouldn't to me. They wouldn't sign him to like a normal deal. But maybe clowny's at the point like no one's really offering him anything. We can get this guy; he's perfect in the scheme. And Greenlaw, who turns into like well, he could just be a starter, right? Maybe who knows? Maybe they draft a good linebacker in the first round. And then D, to me, you'd have to replace him because he's still, like, when he's on the field, he's still really good. I know he drives you nuts being injured, but at least you, 
it's one of those like if you could do it over, do you do the deal? No, but it's not one of those deals where it's like, God, this guy sucks. You find it. You have a use for him. Yeah, it's not. Remember, like when uh, when the Redskins signed Albert Hainsworth, and a year later Shanahan shows up, and Shanahan made him run gassers, and after like one gasser, Albert just laid there. Was like, this is a disaster, and he didn't play hard, and they hated each other. At least D Ford, people like him, and he plays hard when he's on the field. He's just not on the field that often. So I, I think it'd have to be something like they would get clowny because otherwise you would just I would just keep those two players next year and get rid of them the following right year. because there is not it's hard to imagine either one of them on the team in 2021. Yeah, because you but would just I could rather, imagine on the team in 2021. Extend them. Well, yeah, he's, he is going to be a free agent. He's not going to. Well, be what cheap. if what if they draft? What if I told you he's not going to be cheap because there aren't there's just not that many free agents. There aren't that many safeties that are any good that ever hit free agency. What if I told you that like. At pick 13, they took Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, who's really good. Yeah, but it's like, are you – to me, that it's it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to just play it out with Tart and then just let him walk. Like, you do need him on your team if you're going to try and win a Super Bowl. Or you, in theory, need somebody like him on your team if you're well, going to try it'd, and win a Super Bowl. It'd be, it'd be McKinney. I, I, if I you feel him, like he can be an immediate impact guy. I texted my buddy that does the SEC, and uh, I said, who is like your dude dudes in the South? Mm. Not like – Burrow or the best player. I just mean like who is just wired like J.J. Watt. Ready to be an NFL and, starter. And one of the guys he brought up was Xavier McKinney. And then it kind of hit me. I was like, remember when they came out of the room with McGlinchey and no one even knew the Niners liked McGlinchey? That whole time, we didn't, we we're like, I, it was kind of shocking when they took McGlinchey. And it came out like they met him in that in that 15 minute and they're like, this is our fucking type guy. Yeah. I could just see them like interviewing Xavier McKinney at if he's like wired like that and Lynch going, This is our type guy. Then they realize, well, we're not going to re-sign Kwaski. What if we can get a third rounder for Kwaski? Boom, get Xavier at 13, or maybe trade back to like 15 and 16 to get him. I that's where my wheels when I saw Kwaski involved, I was thinking McKinney. The other two guys, you either keep them or you replace Clowney with them, right? That, that you don't it doesn't make sense just to give them away because, like you said, they won't be on the team next year with the money anyway. Yeah, they're so not. Just, the value you gave up is gone, but they're still when they're on the field. They're they're not just solid. They're impactful. Like you, they're you would, impactful would you just, players. Would you just give D Ford away just to gain some cap space? No, Why would you do that? No, because he's he's an impact. He is an impact player. Quan Alexander's an impact. Like when Quan was healthy, he's an impact player. So well, you have I to told replace you they, them with impact players. Let's say I told you player. they just cut D Ford tomorrow. Just cut him and just ate the money. How many teams would be interested in D Ford? Like the entire league would try to sign him. Just I, I don't know for much money or whatever. But they'd but he want would, him. He would have a home immediately. Fuck, Chiefs might take him back for cheap. <laughs> yeah, the, to me the Niners just keep him. Quan. That one's a little weird. Again, I, I think it's more money with Clowney. That's the only thing that would make sense for me because otherwise it just doesn't add up. Now you trade like a classic Belichick move. Kwaski, if you're either going to replace him through the draft or maybe you think Marcel, Marcel Harris can be 90% of them and he's way cheaper, that's the type move. You get rid of a free agent instead of just letting him walk, right? And you can trade him before a draft so you know, like, hey, we need to take a safety in one of the mid-rounds. Marquis Goodwin, I just... I'm sorry, guys. Nobody wants him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can we stop talking about trading Marquis Goodwin? Like, guys... Let's just. I mean, it reminds uh, me of like, like the first month of the season last year when people were like, "Got Trent Taylor, you really could use him here." Like who? What? No one, and I repeat, no one who's not like an All Pro player looks sweeter on a Twitter video mid training camp. Like, 
look at Keese smoking down the sideline, bomb from Jimmy. It's like, yeah, and by week two, Kyle will refuse to play him because he came up limping in in uh, the first game after they game plan for him, and he lasted two plays. So I, I can't, I never want to hear about Marquise Goodwin again. Seems like a nice guy, can really run. He is just one of the least dependable football players who's ha- going to have a 10-year career I've ever heard of in my life. Like, I, he hasn't had one memorable moment in the league, and yet he's, he's talked about all the time. And hell, he's on a, the, a team that just won the NFC, and like, in a weird way, they still value him, but they, like, they refuse to play him. It's just, it's a bizarre situation. Uh, speaking of them, John, the other thing, John Lynch said on his conference call with the, with the media, at 13, if they draft, they're looking for a quote-unquote foundational player. What they would want with the 13th pick is a foundational player. Um, which is that, is that laying the groundwork for trading back? I went on Kawakami's podcast with Barrows and Barrows listed the six players. He didn't think he didn't factor in any of the wide receivers. He just listed his six players and it was like Derek Brown, Akuda, and just, you know, the really good players we've all been talking about forever. And I, I was like, well, Matt, do you think that when John says the six foundational players, He's just talking about in the draft, or do you think he's factoring in where they pick the guys that he think might be there? Because I, yeah, I mean, it's like a team in the twenties to be like, we think there's five foundational players. Well, none of them are going to be there. So to me, it would have to. You have six guys that you feel comfortable taking at thirteen, and it wouldn't be to me. Okuda is not going to be there, so I wouldn't factor him in. That that was my line of thinking. Do you think that when he says the word six, it's six guys that like Isaiah Simmons of the worlds? Yes, that I I took it as he kind of like the Seahawks historically, they draft after all the first round level players that they like, and we've taught you and I, and you've kind of explained this before on the podcast, where the Seahawks might have fifteen players with a first round grade, which means unless they're drafting in the top fifteen, they're not drafting a player in the first round. They trade back. So I did kind of take when when Lynch said six. I took it as there are six foundational. Pl- we think there's, and, and he's probably not. I don't know. Is that including the quarterbacks? It's probably not including. Maybe well, no. That's one I, the- I just wrote down. So, thirteen picks. You subtract three, right? So ten of the first six picks. If you hope that five guys that you don't consider there go, and he Barrow thought it was not including the wide receivers, but the, like I don't know if any of the wide receivers are going to go in the top ten. Do you think he's considering the tackles then? Offensive tackles. Yes, I think that that includes tackles. I would think now not all of them. Defensive linemen, corners, basically, right? Isaiah Simmons. But he maybe they don't value Isaiah Simmons like that. I had someone shoot me a text. Did you Bob McGinn put out his linebackers today? Okay. While Isaiah Simmons was the top rate linebacker, a lot of negative like kind of like this guy have a position. This guy has a huge bus factor. He's not that physical. I think there's a chance the Niners don't like him. And there's a chance that a lot of teams in the NFL do not like Isaiah Simmons as much as the media loves him because the media loves him. And as we see every year, but this year, I think more than ever, I think the media is going to be a little wrong. Wrong. So yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the six guys include everyone in the draft, so it would include a Derek Brown of the world, and just subtract the quarterbacks. So they just hope that, you know, the bunch of people that you like a player that they don't like. 
Or maybe they go, fuck, hopefully Jerry Judy ends up going in the top 10 and we just another guy falls to us. Or hell, maybe Fork, maybe someone gets super aggressive and comes and gets Jordan Love at like 10, right? Makes a guy fall to us. Yeah, the the question is too, like how far back are they willing to go? Like what's their second tier look like? Because the fact that he said that makes me think that, you know, after the draft when people say, this is the guy we wanted all along and no one ever believes him. Maybe if they draft at 13, it will only be because they are drafting one of the players. That, I mean, it will be. It's it's setting up to feel like the only way they draft is if the guys that they value there, given the fact that they need picks behind the first round. But, but let's say this. They went from 13. Let's say they trade back because all those guys are there. Someone comes up to use their spot to get Jordan Love, like the Saints. And the Saints give you their first, a next year's one, and like a third. So a first and a third this year and next year's one. Just something that's like, God, we can't pass this up. All of our guys are gone. This makes sense. Well, if who are you taking it then at 20, whatever they're picking, two or three, and then 31? Like, are you, are you taking two first-round players that you don't even have in the first round? That's where they're kind of in kind of no man's land. Right. Like them and the Raiders or even the Dolphins that have a couple first-round picks, when you got multiple first-round picks in the top 20 – it's easier to kind of do that and still get sweet players. Like these teams, there is no chance most teams, I would say on the, I think this is a good draft. I would say on the high side, like a team has 24 first rounders and on the super, like the Patriots might have like 15 and the Seattle might have 15 first rounders, but there ain't 25 first rounders. And depending on who gets picked, your picks might be gone. Or you would just like, I don't even want to take this player. That's where I think the Niners are kind of in a weird spot if they do trade back. Where someone texted me today about Jordan Love, like the Saint, keep, what if the Saints just offer you next year's one and like a, a mid, you know, a second yeah, or third this year? I like do. Is it. that, or what if I told you that like CJ Henderson's there, you get a sweet starting corner? Oh, then I do that. You, you would, uh, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical. The Saints. I was thinking this morning, I'm like, well, they did lose in the first round, so their pick is not like 28, right? If the Saints 24. trade you their first round, if the Saints trade you 24, a third round pick this year, and next year's one to get to 13. Or C.J. Henderson, what would you do? Well, the premise being, is C.J. Henderson one of the foundational players? Yeah, I am not he- passing up a foundational player for that trade especially because it'd be giving the Saints a quarterback. <laughs> but outside, yeah. if there's not a foundational player there, I am doing that deal. And the reason you have 13 is because you just gave up a foundational player, right? So then it's like you're kind of getting greedy with your profits from DeForest Buckner. To me, there's a balance, right, of getting greedy with the Buckner profits. <laughs> right, you got this, you got this, it's like being at a casino. You're at the blackjack table. You've hit a fucking couple blackjacks and you got this big stack. Now it's, it's, I never walk away, and most people don't. That's why the casinos, beside in quarantine, crush. But if you can't, like if you turn $100 into $5,000, the guy, the smart guy walks away. Now, sometimes you get greedy, and you, that 5000 stack, you still can end up walking away, let's say, with 2800 But later that night, you're like, God damn, I had 5000 And I, I think it's hard in the Niners spot because you're like, well, we can turn 13 into maybe pick 20 and pick 47 and maybe like a next year's two. It's easy. I, I get it. Like I, I, I would understand it, but I, I think, yeah, 
it's almost like it, it's kind of pays to be conservative sometimes because it's easy to say, yeah, we'll take one of the six foundational players. And then you get like some sweet off. You're like, well, fuck, you know, and then it turns out next year, well, the Saints, you know, go, win the Super Bowl and it's pick 32. And you're like, God, or, we don't we don't even like our pick 24, you know, or, or it's pick 20 next year. And, and there's six foundational players in the draft again. And you're like, well, but but like if you if you have pick 26 and they, you got their pick 20, now you got two picks in the 20s. You you got some wiggle room, but right, yeah. But to your point, you just traded a foundational player. You got good value back, and that value remains good as long as you eventually get another foundational player. I know. My my point is though, it's easy to be like, well, John, we're turning DeForest Buckner into multiple first round picks. Yeah. We already have an extra. Our own first round pick right now feels like found money mm. it's like we never talk about 31 it's just like just yeah we just got this extra pick in the first round Be- in fairness because it kind of sucks right no no one ever talks about i'd say any pick after like 22 <laughs> like most people when you're talking about even for a living in the draft world it's like top 15 picks no one's like i can't wait to maneuver with 31 <laughs> like, no, just- well not only that, I also feel like when we talk about past drafts, we talk about the guys drafted at the top of the second round way more than we talk about like we talk about pick like 36. That guy becomes a story more than pick 31 does. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how it feels. Well, I bet if we dove deep into the 50 percent hit rate, maybe it's a little higher, like 52, 53 percent hit rate in the first round. A large majority of the hits are in like the top 20. Right. And I would say uh, from 20 to 32, if we look back over the last 10 years, that number is probably not that 50% number. It feels like just think off the top of your head, the last couple of years in the twenties, it's it's, it probably feels more like 35, 40%, right? Where the, probably the top of the 15 is closer to like 60, still not anywhere near a hundred, but most top 10, even like Leonard Williams, he's not a miss. Like he's going to play in the league for 10, like 10 years, even Solomon Thomas. It's not a, is it a, I mean, he's going to have an eight, nine year career. Cleveland Farrell, like these guys play for a while. Yeah, but I, they would be on the bus side more than like you just have a lot of hits. Like look at last year, Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa. I mean, Devin White started linebacker. Ed Oliver started for the Bill. You just start stacking them up. Devin Bush for the for the Steelers, immediate impact starter. Like you just tend to hit on a lot more top ten picks than you do pick twenty five to thirty two. It's hard. We saw Balky. Balky's career went down the shitter when they started winning, right? Because he just couldn't pick at the end of the first round. But you'd be like, well, you're going to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl every year. You're like, well, in a couple of years, it's going to bite you in the ass. Yeah, but you also, you might not be getting foundational players, but you should be getting non, like A.J. Jenkins, uh, Josh Garnett. I mean, we, we're not talking about like just, okay, not impact but guy, starters. But guy, but guy, my point is, I, I think you and we all would, including myself, would be floored if we just went the last 10 years, picked like, 26 to 32, how many A.J. Jenkins and Josh Garnett's are in that group, right? I, I feel like that's just that happens a lot. It, well, yeah, but well, A.J. to me would even— Guys, like, C- Seattle's first-round pick last year, their first-round pick was inactive like every game of the year. Inactive, a healthy scratch. But I don't think that's—that that to me is like an extreme, and that is on an extreme end of the spectrum, my guess, to have guys that—what was the deal? A.J. Jenkins caught like— one pass? How many pass? Didn't he yeah, catch like no, one pass? No, I'm not defending it at all. No, I, I my point not. is that I bet if we just got like a Cowboy fan on or just – I you have to think about teams that are winning. Patriot fans would be like, yeah, fuck, we just – we're hit or miss that end of the first round. That scares yeah. me. Yeah. 
I agree with you. All right, we're it's not an easy spot because you, you there's a pressure that comes along with like you're a first rounder. Well, kinda. Like Julio Jones and AJ Jenkins are both first rounders, right? But they're not really. Yeah, there's lottery picks. Yeah, see, that's what that's the thing that separates the NBA. It's like oh, I was taking the lottery. It's like, damn, you 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 were picked 19, you made it, right? In the NFL, it's like, yeah, dude's a first round pick. Yeah, the dude went thirty. You know, you know but that's still, but Joe, there's just more rounds. Like it makes sense. Like first round is, it's it, it's big. Yeah, it's big. Uh, okay, where do we where do we settle on what's going to happen with these quarterbacks? I know there was like Omar Kelly in Miami wrote a story. Teams are cooling on Herbert, which really, you know, I don't I doubt anything's changed. I it was funny, you know. There's I think there's two quarterbacks who did Senior Bowl, Combine, and their Pro Day. There's only two. It's Herbert. This season? And, yeah, Herbert and Jalen Hurts, who got to do all three. Like, Herbert wow. did a pro day right before it all went weird. We talked about Herbert on a. Do you, do you count to us uh, Chris Mortensen, Trent Dilfer's? Even deal? if you do, he didn't do. He didn't throw at the. He didn't do Senior Bowl, obviously, Combine. Yeah, yeah. I do count that. I, well, no, I don't count that. I, I would, though, counter by saying a decent percentage of the time, a lot of junior quarterbacks come out that never do the Senior Bowl, right? Yeah, definitely. But to not have a now, pro day and not do the combine, like he, that's, that's true. Now yeah. it's just like because Burrow did didn't do a pro day and didn't do obviously didn't do the Senior Bowl. But um, remember when Johnny Manziel did a pro day in pads? Yeah, wasn't he fifty three of fifty four or something? I, I say what you want about Johnny Manziel's career, his pro day was pretty sweet. You did you know you probably did that he had a higher wonderlick than Peyton Manning. Peyton, because Peyton's Wonderlick was just like above yeah, average, run, but it wasn't run like, of the mill. Yeah, no, it's like twenty eight. You see, you see, Burrow's like thirty four. Pretty smart. If you had, if you told me what do you think Joe Burrow would score in the Wonderlick, I would have been like at twenty three. You know, because I think Peyton would tell you. And this is where I think the balance with quarterback. I saw a good tweet today. I think I forwarded it to you. You'd probably be on the draft broadcast, like. Uh, just trying to shit on the Wonderlick. Like Lamar Jackson, Dan Marino scored low Wonderlicks. Dan Orlovsky scored a 45 on a Wonderlick. Like we can do the Wonderlick game score all day long. Like Peyton is not like I, I even think he would be the first to admit it. I wouldn't ask him this if I ever got a chance to talk to him. <laughs> but I've heard other people describe him like this. Like he's not he's not Socrates or fucking Albert Einstein. He just he knows. I think Brady realizes too. They're smart guys. But they aren't like Steve Jobs of the world. They they outwork everyone because that's just. I think Andy Reid would tell you this about himself. He's like, I'm not, I'm not Belichick's. My, I have to work 20 hours to feel comfortable with this. The football is such a complicated game. And I was listening to Rosillo had Dilfer on talking about Tua. And I will say this for Tua. And it turns out, remember, it came out he got a 13. Well, that was actually his like sophomore year, and they took it again, and he got a 20. When you watch Tua, it did feel like he's he knew what was going on offensively, right? Like his eyes fucking moving. Like I, I never felt like he was a dumb football player, and that's really and it's clearly Burrow is a smart guy and a smart football player. You know, Burrow uh, Herbert was always like people kind of hung their hat on. He was like a four student, but you would say like I don't see like a football genius. It's like one of the things you need to work on him with. So there, it's a, it's a like Kaepernick always hung his hat like he was a four two student at Nevada. Then you watch him, you're like, God, he doesn't, he doesn't see everything. It's what was it's a hard balance. What was Favre's wonderlick? It was like a, it was in the teens. 
But I think Barf would also tell you, like, I don't know if he was he was kind of letting it rip. You know, he, I don't think he totally knew the offense either. He just yeah, but the, but the, the point is just, you know, I think there's plenty of evidence that the Wonderlick is not indicative of the kind of Big. intelligence that shows itself on a football field. So, okay, where give, give me give me your ranking, and I'll give you my ranking of how you think the quarterbacks one through four go on Thursday night. I mean, Burrow. Yep, let's we'll both agree there. Tua Herbert Love. I think, you know, Monday Breer and Peter King both had Herbert ahead of Tua. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm going to go with what I think we thought it was going to be for a long time. I'll go Tua ahead of Herbert, and I'll go Herbert still ahead of Love, but Love pretty close to Herbert. And I, I don't think you know, I don't think we're going to see. Yeah. That's 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 where I got him. What do you have? Before I give you my list, do you think there's a decent chance that the Chargers and the Dolphins have found a way to get their main doctor around 2-0 over this last month? Or is that pretty risky because if it did came out, they'd probably get like docked a first-round pick next year. Yeah, I don't know if they've put their hands on them, but I got to think they've gotten every medical thing that their doctor would want they got. If I, but if I was video videos of his doctor, maybe a uh -uh. zoom with his doctor and their doctor telling him what to do. Do you think that if, if I was the dolphins, I was Steven Ross and I said, I'm okay with taking Tua, but we have to get our own guy on him. And I called Lee Steinberg that they would do it and just keep it a secret. Isn't it worth it for them to just ensure that they get drafted in the top five to let a doctor mess with you? Is it worth it for Lee Steinberg to break the rules for the dolphins? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Especially if you're Lee Seinberg and, you, and you, the doctor you're dealing with is like, I'm telling you, he's good. He's, he's going to be a good thing when they get their hands on him. What You know, the, the key to this thing would have been to do what Jerry I, Jones I, did I, I with could, Jalen. I could, I, I could not draft him, guy, if I didn't have my own doctor on him. And just the risk is too high there in the, in the top five. That's just – that's pretty extreme for someone that clearly has a major question mark. Because my, my order was going to go Burrow, Herbert. I'm going to go a little – outrageous here i and i'm not claiming to know anything i kind of think Tua just falls and maybe all of a sudden jordan love is the guy like because i've said over and over with no pro days i feel like no one even talks about jordan love really and it's just because if, if if jordan love would have had a week where it's like sean payton john gruden and you know jay gruden worked him out wouldn't there these guys were like jesus can you imagine if just Rap Sheet or Schefter had tweeted like in a in a week stretch, he did private workouts for these three teams and he blew their coaches away? Like that would just be a huge story. For a guy like Herbert, Tua, and Burrow have just maintained their level of fame through the media because it's just like, yeah, they're the top three quarterbacks. This guy didn't get his chance to kind of throw his hat in the ring because of the pro day circuit, like you said, just didn't happen for him. And I think that hurts him because I think he would have been a guy. We, think about what, how often me and you would have talked if like Schefter Rapsheet had tweeted, John Gruden and Mayock went to fucking wherever Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love was in Florida because remember he had gone right before the thing hit. He had gone to the Dolphins like right the last day mm -hmm. of quarantine. They flew to Miami. They worked them out and they were blown away. Like that would have been one of the biggest stories in the NFL whatever day that hit, right? People have been like, damn, the Raiders are going to be in the mix. And yeah. then Derek would have been tweeting. And it would have been. 
My point is that like that guy still might love him, and just they haven't told anyone because they haven't had to talk about it. I I I really do. I texted. I mean, guy that I think is like my strongest scout buddy, who says I think he's a lock top twenty. Well, if you if you're a lock top twenty, then you could go top ten. Yeah, and to me, when you start throwing him like you know he's like a Allen project, but he could have some Mahomes upside. I, how does that guy not go somewhere between like seven and thirteen, guy? So I've got do, another. Do you think Mahomes? Do you think Mahomes completely just changed? I think people just think like God, and you could throw Watson in there too. Like those two teams traded for guys, and it changed their fucking franchise. Yeah, I, so I've got another question to ask on this, but to that point, I think Mahomes is like Sean McVay where all of a sudden people went, yeah, Zach Taylor might not be Sean McVay, or yeah, what's his name in Green Bay, might not be Sean McVay. Although Zach Taylor's unique because he was a quarterback. But... Uh, you know they were leading in 12 of their 16 games? And then they lost them all. I only okay. know that because you sent me that that tweet. But yeah, where people started to co- try and do like, let's get our McVay, where all of a sudden being around McVay was like this golden touch, this Midas touch. I think there thinking, is that think effect. The Bengals are, are, are the Bengals thinking eight and eight with those with those numbers? Like Joe Burrow changes their franchise? Maybe. So yes, I do think those guys have an effect, and they help Jordan Love. So here's the question now. I'll, now that we have your order, what at what spot does the fourth quarterback get drafted? Because I think it could very well be like thirteen or what you just said, like the Niners or fourteen is Tampa. They they. They have an incentive to use that pick, but they could certainly trade it. Um, if you said take $100 right now, over under 14 and a half, or let's say 15 and a half, so 15 or under or 15 or over, I would put my $100 that all four quarterbacks are gone by pick 15. But you think the last one will be Tua, potentially? Potentially, but that's a little bit of an unknown. Like yeah. To me, he has the chance to fall. I think if, if all of a sudden, like, the Browns have traded back six spots and someone takes Jordan Love there, that would be a pretty holy shit draft moment, right? Yeah. Because the team that people threw out to me today texting around was like the Saints. And I started thinking, well, their quarterback just signed with NBC. So you're like, if you're, if you, and they were, who were they? They loved Mahomes. They were the other Mahomes team. I think when you use your Sean McVay argument, though, the very next year, a way bigger project than Mahomes, but kind of similar to just this freak went seven. And I think people would say like Josh Allen, if you knew you were getting Josh Allen, like Josh Allen, the first two years for the bills, where would that guy go in this draft? Like would the dolphins or the chargers take that guy. Uh, I'm inclined to say no. You don't think so? I mean, if you're getting Josh Allen with Jordan's Jordan loves, I, I, look, you're talking to someone who's not the biggest Josh Allen guy. So, like, I I think there's a chance in two years the Bills are looking for a quarterback again. Yeah, see, I'm not going there yet. I I think I like him better than you do. Yeah, but he's clearly better than everyone thought he was going to be, and they took him seven. So I think if you think that he can be that functional. Ideally, yeah, you want. But we, we even talked about like every is Sam Darnold some hit yet. I like Sam Darnold; he looks pretty solid. But I still got a long ways to go. Now a lot of it's out of his control. 
that's what makes the quarterback position hard, right? It's not like basketball where you can just carry a team. Like, you do need decent receivers. You need a fucking decent play caller. You need some offensive line. Like, you can't just you can't just roll with uh, the cocaine bulls and take them to the playoffs. It's true. Do you think Herbert is going to – you're telling me Justin Herbert's not going to go in the top ten? I just can't. I can't. Yeah, I think he goes in the top six. So I do think – I don't think Tua falls that far. Because to me, part of it is like, you know – he doesn't look off safeties like the other two guys. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But I think with some of these quarterbacks the last couple of years, I think you're looking more at talent, and like I can coach that into them. Now, that's where you could argue Herbert has a chance to just be a bad pro if it likes just too much. Like mm-hmm. He just can't process. Where Tua is going to be able to process. Like He's bang, bang, boom, and Burrow does it. Jordan Love, you know, bigger project, but I think you see the like, – untapped potential where you go, well, Herbert's played a ton. What if he can't do that? There, there, that's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't look off safeties and go from like one to three in the NFL, you're going to fail, right? You're going to fail. Cause like there to me, a couple of lock failures that if you just can't process offense really fast and two, if you're a puss, well, I don't think any of these guys are pusses. Like J- Justin Herbert is not scared to me. It's just about like, does he just, and that's where the counter of like people like me and you would be like, well, his receivers suck. No one else was open, and you know, it gets it gets really nuanced. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like Herbert, but I do remember at times last year watching Oregon and be like, I don't like Herbert. And then as it went on, I do like Herbert. <laughs> this is what makes the draft complicated. Uh, yeah, getting I, in your own head. I do think he's pretty unique. I mean, I guess you could say that about every prospect, but I think he's pretty unique in that. If three years from now you told me Herbert to start, be like, yep, saw that. If you told me Herbert, it's just it hasn't ha- it's just not happening for him. I'd be like, "Yep, I get that too." I hate to say that uh, because it's not really picking, but I do feel that way. Now you could say that about a lot of players, probably. Um, but over the course of watching his whole career, there are a lot of times where you just where I wanted more. I don't think there's any doubt. Like he he what he was in college is not good enough, and I think that's obvious. Again, that probably applies to most players. But the things that he didn't do in college, he does have to get better at in the NFL or else he won't be a long-term starter. Well, that, that's the counter. If you are not, if you think Tua's going to be okay, you rarely watch Tua and went, I want more! Right? He's just slinging that pill around, scoring like 45 a game. Slinging it. Looking dudes off and fucking throwing it left, throwing it right. It was never like, you know, I wish he'd go through his progressions a little quicker. Like, that's... That, that is the counter that I've seen people kind of defending Tua. Like, are we overthinking this? And again, I think part of the overthinking. I think yes. I think we are overthinking it. And that's where back to you. Like, maybe he doesn't fall. But if he does fall, it clearly is a massive red flag in the league about his injuries, right? Yeah, overthink or not, there's just a point where somebody turns to the doctor and says, Doc, is he cleared? And if the answer is no, then there's no overthinking it. There's just no. He's not cleared, right? Then we could... Even if you think he's a great player, if the doctor says, I can't clear him, then. You know, a sneaky element of a doctor, too. It's like whether he gives a thumbs up or the thumbs down, he's still a doctor and he's still crushing where the GM is dependent on this guy. It's like, bro, I'm out of work. And as Phil Savage once famously told me, GMs don't get, you know, a second chance. Check out the GM's resume in the league. Most of them get one shot. You're dependent on this guy. Even if the team ends up firing you down the line, it's like, okay, I'm just going to work it. Florida Medical or Harvard Med or Stanford Med. Like, I'm good. It really are depending on this guy that you really don't know anything about that he knows. That's what's crazy about the business. 
it really is the great argument for if you're a doctor, you're making great money. There, it, it, You could argue for a lot of these guys, the upside is minimal. The downside is huge, right? And the pressure that it puts on you, you're like, you're, you're probably a fan because you live in that team. You become so vested. You're not even a fan. You feel like part of the squad, right? You're touching these guys. It is where great trainers are kind of the middleman where I think they can kind of talk to speak the doctor language, speak the football language, and there's just some common ground. It, it's really probably, I would say, a uh, an untalked about kind of crazy part of the sport that we just don't discuss about the dynamic of the doctor, trainer, head coach, GM relationship enough, right? Yeah, because every situation, it's like there's there's – you can't study the film. I know there are doctors everywhere now. And there are a lot of like sports analysts that are doctors. They're like, this is what a subluxation is, right? And they show you the little thing. But it's still the doctor would be like, hey, you guys were not in there. I was in there. You don't understand, right? A doctor sits down across from you if you're a normal person and says, there's an 80% chance this works. Well, Do they pull that out of their ass, you think, sometimes? What? The percentages? How could they not? I think these yeah. all these percentages we use with health. Like, how are you feeling? Seventy five percent. The fuck does that mean? I don't know. It was like, could, when Michael like Jordan just tomorrow, that. right now, you're watching this video. What's your percentage? Just you're listening to this podcast. What, what are you today? I'm not hundred. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm not like fifty. Are you eighty five? Because I know this. If you said you're ninety or you said you're seventy eight in print, that feels like a big ass difference, big time. Like that big is time. a that's a sit or a start in fantasy. I know. I, see, I would have said I'm somewhere between 75 and 90. But aren't you always? Yeah, it takes a really good day to be like 95. And it takes a shitty day to be like 48. So how is an NFL player ever 95? I don't know. But I, every time we hear a story about a doctor, it's like, yeah, I told him he was like 73%. And Here's Jordan's like, and I, in fairness to Michael Jordan, he's like, what the fuck does that even mean? That's why I, I think the people who never put percentages on it are probably, that's the right way to do it. Well, they I told. Agree. They said you were ninety percent. Like, what the fuck does that mean? But coaches and GMs are always yelling at them. Like, what's his percent? Totally. Right? If he's seventy, we're gonna. Well, you see those quotes. If he's seventy, he's gonna play. Because you can quantify it. You can't just be like, I'm telling but you, you. Yeah, I know, but like, you can't. It's not like a radar gun where it's like, oh, ninety-five looks good. Just smart guys pulling shit out of their ass, and you just believe them. So that's where, like, there's a lot of these tests now that they're just they're physical tests. They they. You know, or, or even we see it with concussions, but they give you your baseline and then you could just always compare back to your the force that you can push with. And then we can always check back to your baseline and see what percentage you really physically are. Good call there, Dr. Haberman. Dr. Haberman's my father. All right. Uh, on that note, draft show on Twitter <laughs> on draft night. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube, like videos, all that stuff, yeah? Godspeed. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.